happy to report, well, I'm, I'm amused to report, that my experience with Tump has come full circle. Well, here's here's why. What does that because mean? Because the, the first time, the first <laughs> time I ever, <laughs> there's more. Yes, um, the first time I ever listened to your show, you guys were talking about Das Boot, and okay. the run the running joke was how long it took you all to watch it, how many sittings it took. You know, you, the, over the course of the show, the movie kept getting longer and longer and longer. So I have come full circle though, because the last episode of Tump I listened to was the year end show. Ah, okay. And it did indeed take me about four sittings to come to get through it. It was very much like the podcast equivalent of Das Boat. I have come full circle. Were we that bad? What did we do? It's not that it wasn't that it was that bad. It's just I normally only have like 45 minutes to listen to you guys because I listen to your show when I do groceries and it only takes me about 40 minutes to do the grocery run you guys were you were verbose it was entertaining and you know I was never <laughs> bored I was always enjoying myself but it just it took a few trips to get through it so I was thinking to myself you know it, it's kind of funny because it feels like I'm, I'm trying to watch Death Boat yes yes that was a really long podcast and I suppose that makes sense I mean essentially that's how I watch almost every movie now um, in, or in even listen to my podcast because I have a similar thing with podcasts where what I do is I listen to it mainly when I'm in the car driving to and from work or around the place and I actually tend to live and work close to where I go so yeah. it's not a lot of time so it's all you know start and stop and start and stop um, yep. but yep. yeah yeah I guess yep. so testify man <laughs> Welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil, Toronto, Canada. It's the movie-loving podcast of your movie-loving website, matinee.ca, your home for cinematic passion and perspective. Dear listener, uh, it's, um, it's a strange time of year where some of the theaters out there are showing some really, really wonderful stuff from the end of last year, and many other theaters are showing dreck really are they they're showing they we're feasting on scraps they're showing uh you know tame uh versions of uh of erotic novels and they're showing what is supposed to be a surprisingly good animated film about an orphan bear but it is a really weird time so perhaps it's fitting that during these dark and cold months uh, to begin 2018 um we we find ourselves suddenly distracted by a movie that was dropped right into our homes. But I'm getting ahead of myself, of course, because I'm talking about what's going on out there, and I'm ignoring what is happening in here. And in here, I am across a wire to one of uh, one of my, my dear friends over the last several years. You make new acquaintances online, and then eventually you find out that you're also quite uh, acquainted with their family and they become your friends and then there's more and more and more so that's very much what happened here uh, <laughs> I, I was first introduced to him by his younger brother I of course uh, you know uh, know him as one of the contributors the host he claims of the unnamed movie podcast Tump not to be confused with Trump please don't do that um, we are across a wire to Kingston Jamaica where the one of the co-hosts of the unnamed movie podcast Douglas Robinson is here Douglas Robinson how are you tonight I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm I'm all right, man. As you know, as we said off air, we had a little bit of a shortened day thanks to the snow. I've got a very busy week next week, and good movies are coming again. It's it's exciting times around here. Yes, lucky you. You get to watch good movies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, you're, I'm, you're hearing about it like doubly now, right? Oh yes. Um, every Phantom Thread 
every Lady Bird, just yeah. every movie that I still haven't been able to watch, I get WhatsApp messages on a daily basis. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> turning down more than you're actually getting to see. Pretty much. Pretty gotcha. much. And I, I have to thank you because um, the movie we're going to talk about today, you gave me one that I did not have to go to Karen for. So. There are, I, I, you know, I, I aim to please. Well, on episode 192, we will be discussing the Cloverfield Paradox. We'll be turning the record over to play the other side. But first, we need to learn more about Douglas. This is Know Your Enemy. Douglas first appeared on episode 167, where we talked about Arrival. We learned on that show that the first movie he'd ever seen in a theater was Beetlejuice. The last film he'd seen at the time was the banger Gross Point Blank. The worst film he claimed to see at the time was The Butcher Boy. The unseen classic or essential was It's a Wonderful Life. Any luck there? Uh, no. No. So that means so you know what the funny thing is that means that it's it's going to be at least another year because it's a Christmas movie. You're not going to watch it now. <laughs> yeah, I'm exactly. not allowed to watch it until Christmas Eve, right? I mean, you can. Um, and the film that he wished he made was The Fall, which I still haven't seen, despite mentioning what? that I haven't seen. I see. There we go. It's it's it's, it's even you know even up right there. So there it's time go. for round two. Douglas Robinson. What is a film you like that nobody else does? So this is a really hard one to answer because I like a lot of bad movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I, okay, it's 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 hard for a different reason. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, to a certain degree, it's difficult for me to gauge what other people actually like versus what they don't like. But I think I'm gonna go with one that um, I really have loved for a long time, and for no real reason. Um, do you remember, I think it was in 2005, uh, a little movie starring, um, Heath Ledger called Casanova came out? Oh no. Oh yes. Oh no. I okay. Love I, I do, movie. but oh no. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so great. It's the type of movie that I love, which is you just watch it. It washes over you. There is no thought involved. You just laugh at the stupid jokes that are probably just past that point of, of horrible to become funny again. And it's just wonderful. And and the, the characters that are in there, I mean, um, you have, I think it's Oliver Platt who plays um, this small role, but just so great. And I have to say, uh, Heath Ledger, for some reason, if he's in it, I'm... Um, I'm down to watch whatever is going on. I mean, ordinarily that would be the thing with me. Like <laughs> that 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 era of time with Heath Ledger was pretty interesting because that was like just after Brokeback Mountain. That was before yeah. The Dark Knight. He was doing some really cool. Like he was kind of coming into his own in that little stretch of time, right? But yeah. Casanova, um, it's kind of movie that makes Chocolat look edgy. Um, <gasps> Another movie <laughs> that I love, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> of course, um, I, I I remember um, Sienna Miller is the is the female lead in yes. that movie, isn't she? 
Yes, she is. Yeah, yeah. That's that's another sign that you're in for a rough go. Um, oh yeah, she's you know, adequately you know, average. <laughs> she is, but you know, actually, oddly enough, with, with Miller has actually got better over time. I actually saw her do some live theater when I was in New York uh, a few years ago, and, and I was actually I was really surprised at, at how good she was. But I mean, Casanova. It's fine. If it was on, if it was on the TV, I might not change the channel. But I just I guess it's you know when you're adapting a classic, you kind of want something a little bit more weighty. I, I wanted a little bit more, a um, little bit more Barry Lyndon and a little bit less chocolat. But uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I, I do. You, you, there's no way you get into conversations with other fans of Casanova. There's no way. Um, I don't think there are other fans. I was gonna of say Casanova. there's no there's no subreddit for that. No. Yeah, uh, okay. I mean everybody I have ever spoken to about this movie, um, yeah. they've just they either don't know it because it never really made you know it wasn't a big thing, or yeah. they're like that movie that's horrible. Yeah, yeah that <laughs> and I think the the way that you described it right is the perfect. That's my wheelhouse. You're just like oh it's fine. <laughs> that's the type of movie that that's nine times out of ten I'm going to gotcha. watch. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, all right. Well, what about the opposite? What is the film that everybody else digs that you just can't get behind? Oh, and this is the easiest question to answer. This is Wally, hands down, no what? question. Yes. No. Yeah. Well, what you? How? What? I. I... <laughs> well, I straight up hate this movie. Um, I remember when I went to the movies to watch this, and I went to Carib, which is already strike one against any movie. <laughs> um, and uh, it just, you know what it is? It's a type of movie where it tells you from day one exactly what it's going to do, and then it does it, and then you look around and everybody is just blown away. And you think to yourself, or at least I thought to myself, but didn't you know that's what this was why is this this isn't that special and then you start to argue yourself into well if it's not that special this movie is horrible um and <laughs> <laughs> there are definitely other reasons right and so much so that i don't think i've ever watched more than say five to ten minutes of this movie since that day which that was quite a long time ago this is a pretty old movie um but yeah th this is this is my one like really bad movie, my one stinker that oh, that I attribute to um, uh, Pixar. Yeah, that that's the Pixar problem. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so where I will spot you is this is a movie. If somebody were to say to me, "I don't like Wally," the one thing I would give them is that even though I love it, I actually I, I consider it one of the best films of that decade. Um, and actually, I, I still consider it the best film of that year. Um, the one thing I would spot somebody if they used it as the argument is that it never delivers on the promise of the opening 25 minutes. The opening 25 minutes of that movie are glorious. You know, like the the, the idea that they could animate a silent movie, basically, and, you know, make it look like that, too. Because that was the thing is that at the time that Junkyard just looked so striking and his, his little, you know, uh, container where he lived looked just so striking. But then once they get up into space, it turns into a cartoon very, very quickly. So I, I would grant you that, but that's not your complaint. Your complaint is that it, it, it is what it says it is. And that's where I just don't get it. I, wow. I, I can like, I can only imagine how hard that is. Some, you know, at the time that must have killed you because everybody was just like 
creaming their shorts about that movie. Yeah, dude, everybody loved that movie, um, including <laughs> <laughs> our fearless leader, uh, Mr. Andrew Robinson, who I'm sure is listening to this and is, you know, um, plotting my death. Hi, Andrew. Um, but yeah, this, I, I've never been able to get on board with this movie, even after multiple tries of um, a certain somebody trying to just get this in front of me. I've never been able to, to do it. It's... It's wow. my least favorite Pixar movie. This is why we can't have nice things, Douglas. <laughs> what is the last movie or a movie to make you cry? Um, so the answer to this question is a weird one. Um, and this, the last movie to make me cry, and I'm sure I've missed it up at a few movies, but the one that made me, like, I was sobbing in this movie is have you ever heard and if you haven't it's fine because i had never heard of this movie before and i don't know how i got onto it but of a movie starring ted danson and jack lemon um made in 1989 called dad nope absolutely of course yeah so ted danson is this you know flashy stockbrokery kind of guy um and he finds out that his mom, who lives, let's just say it's Florida, can't remember exactly, um, has uh, collapsed and he has to go home and take care of his dad for a little while. And they bond and then, you know, the story gets a little sad eventually. He uh, passes and it's really about, I guess, the, the bond and the, the fact that he hates his dad and then, you know, comes to love him and it, it, it's it's literally a hallmark movie it's um not a very good movie either i really don't like this movie and i remember thinking while i was bawling my eyes out that there's no reason for me to do this because i hate this movie but <laughs> i don't know what it was something somewhere in the flashing images that were going through my past my eyes and my retinas just broke me and i um i was just in the fetal position for a long time <laughs> my god okay so a couple things first of all i'm looking at the poster for this movie now and it's ringing a bell and i mean it's ringing a very, very distant, very, very small, very quiet bell, which is to say that I remember this picture on this poster, and that is all. I do not remember. Like, Jack Lemon looks nothing like himself. Oh, yeah. uh, if I didn't know, he's better, got this I'd weird say... mustache. <laughs> well, not only that, but in the, you know, in this picture, it, it almost looks like he's doing like it's almost looks like they've got him in yellow face, and he's supposed to be Asian. Like he was, he was older, but they've got him done up to look even older than old, uh, at the time, and it's and it's strange. Ethan Hawke is in this movie. Yeah, Kevin Spacey is in this movie. Olympia Dukakis, Kathy Baker. So I guess the first question is, how did this little movie come to your attention in the first place? I think I was probably just watching TV at the time, and okay. it came on, and you know. If you make the argument, right, if you say to me, Douglas, or if I say to you, Ryan, Ted Dance, well, maybe not so much Ted Danson, but Jack Lemmon, um, uh, and maybe even Ethan Hawke, if you, if you like him. I'm, I'm a big Ethan Hawke fan. Yeah, I'll stick um, with to that. To be fair, he's, he's young. And you say, 
there's this movie um, on with them in it from the, let's call it the 90s, pretty much. Uh, I'll try that. Uh, but I think that's essentially what happened. I was probably lying down, clicking the clickers, and it just started, and I said, sure, why not? Okay. And was there anything in particular about this movie that actually like turned on the, the, the floodgates? I wish I could point to something. <laughs> um, I'm sure it must have been the like at some deep subconscious level um, something to do with the relationship between because that's clearly the key driver yeah. of the movie, right? The right. the relationship between Ted Danson and his dad. Um, but if you ask me to give you a blow by blow, blow by blow, if you ask me to say what was the exact moment, what was the exact you know string that was pulled, I, I right. couldn't tell. You can't do it. Okay, Dad. I, I mean, I'm morbidly curious, but I, I don't even know where I'd find this. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you from now, it's not a good movie. You yeah, okay. should not watch it. Nobody okay. ever should watch it. Just but watch if it you if do, please don't it. judge me. I will. Okay. <laughs> Done and done. In the movie of your life, who plays you? So, I decided to go with Domino Gleason for the simple fact that... <laughs> he is the greatest actor of our time. <laughs> Actually, not really, but he is... Right now, I am going through... I want to call it a phase... But I'm in love with Domino Gleason. He I know. I heard your. Sh I heard your show. Yeah, he's the best part of any movie that he's in. Um, you know, just his comedic, um, the way he can contort his face, um, every single muscle. I think he can. He can just move it with his mind. Um, it, I think he would be able to do a good rendition of me. He would be able to be the me that I want to be, but cannot. Okay, okay. Um, now, in case people are wondering, part of the reason why I was laughing so hard is just because, I know it's an audio podcast, but I have met Douglas, and, and it's not even close. Um, no, you're both no, tall. No. You, you, like, that, that's the thing. You're both, you, you both have height, so there's that going for you. Uh, but you know, if you if you were like you know thinking, if I'm wandering around Jamaica, I should keep my eyes open for somebody who looks kind of like Donald Gleason, because uh, that'll be <laughs> Douglas Robinson. No, <laughs> that is not it. Um, you know, I, I think you I think you share a similar ethos. Uh, do you? What is for you? Let, let's let's go down this road though, since we're here. For you, okay. what is what is peak Gleason? Peak Gleason. My because God. I mean, this guy he's, he's done some cool shit. Like he's done, yes. you know, he he like he was a Weasley brother. He was in Never Let Me Go. He was in True Grit. In Anna Karenina. What for you is Pete Gleason? So for me, it definitely can't be any of the serious ones that you just did, or the ones that like people will look at and say that's a great movie. Um, okay. For me, I'm starting to think of films like for instance uh the latest one that i'm just down the road with which is crash pad um i'm thinking of things like about time which by the way one of my favorite time traveling love stories ever made i think about time has to be peak um gleason because for okay. me and you know what i've like, watched I, that, that a is, thousand times that is a movie that's been on my radar for a long long time and i've actually never seen it um, I think I, I know, I know, 
I started watching it like it was one of those films I, I put on for like I think five or ten minutes and yeah. I, just, I had to step away and I really regret not actually carrying through with it it's Richard Curtis it's the guy who did Love Actually Notting Hill um, um, you know the, the Four Weddings and a Funeral this is that that's my kind of story for sure and I'm, I'm a big dopey romantic so okay if you're telling me that's where he's at his, his zenith I'll, I'll definitely move that up the queue because it's been far too long and yeah um, and to good, be honest choice, you know if you, want, if you want big dopey romance that is that's the one like, okay that's the one yeah all right and uh finally for now what is the film that you're watching next i just did a search and realized that um netflix finally has all three oceans 11 movies oh, yeah. so I am now in the middle of Ocean's 12. Um, So the next movie, depending on how you want to count it, is either me finishing Ocean's 12 or (laughs) Ocean's 13. Um, Now, are you a fan of 12, or is that the one you just get through so you can get to 13? Um, I started out not liking 12. I remember the first time I watched it, I hated that movie. But slowly but surely, it has grown on me, so much so that Depending on when I watch it, I might tell you that it's my favorite one. I love that movie. I love. I, I really like all of them. But okay. twelve, it's it's great. And listen, soundtracks do a lot. Oh me. yes, oh yes, yes. I mean, listen, any, any movie, any movie that has an an extended Vincent Cassell dance sequence, I'm in. Really, I'm in. And that, yeah. that's what else you go to the Ocean's movies for? Of course. Is it sad that that's the first movie where maybe I'm sure I'd probably have seen him in other things, but that's the first movie where I took note and said, you are a person that I like. Um, I mean, yeah, and yes, for a long time, some of the other movies just did, yes. Yes. I, <laughs> um, I, I, I hope you enjoy Lahane whenever you pick up, whenever you catch up with it. Oh, um, I've watched that movie. That movie is spectacular. Yes, it <laughs> I love is. it. Yes, yeah. it is. Um, all right, well, you know, you're certainly in for good times, and now I actually kind of want to hustle this show along so that you can get back into Ocean's 12. Um, <laughs> speaking of hustling it along, we do have to get to a feature review, and uh, we're going on something a little bit different. We normally, of course, focus our attention to what's playing in the theaters, but uh, in case you missed my introduction to this show, what's playing in the theaters is uh, kind of weak right now. So speaking of kind of weak, our new slang for this episode is on Netflix, and it is the Cloverfield Paradox, which we will discuss right after this. Cloverfield Paradox is directed by Julius Ona. It is written by Oren Uziel. It stars Gugu Mbatha-Ra, David Oyelowo, Danielle Brule, John Ortiz, Chris O'Dowd, Askel Henny, Zhang Ziyi, Roger Davies, and Elizabeth DeBecky. The Cloverfield Paradox is about a mission of space designed at addressing Earth's energy crisis. The team assembled has some fancy-dancy new technology that they believe can tap into clean, sustainable energy and has been dispatched high above our atmosphere to get it working. Despite much hand-wringing down on the surface, mostly by a cameo appearance, 
by Donal Logue. When they successfully fire it up, for a few minutes anyway, shit gets weird fast. Their navigational system goes missing, so too does the Earth, and somehow the team discovers a stranger stuck in the bowels of their own space station. Soon, it becomes clear that in executing their test, they have taken the lid off Pandora's box, and all the secrets of the universe have come spilling out. Come with me, children, back to the land of 2008. Smartphones were not yet a thing, America had a whole other idiot running the show, and J.J. Abrams was not yet the Star Wars and Star Trek guy, but instead the guy from Lost and a seemingly flop of a Mission Impossible movie. At the beginning of this magical year, a film called Cloverfield arrived to fill our high expectations, and it arrived with cool and cryptic trailer, a strange name, and high nerdgasm pedigree. Now, almost exactly ten years later, we are right back where we started. So, pop quiz, Hotshot. Did you learn anything between then and now about expectations and what you are getting into when you sit down to a Cloverfield movie? Um, no, not really. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So the thing about this is actually they didn't even realize that I realized that, um, I knew about this movie a little while ago because it it was called the God particle, right? Um, and then they changed it to, to paradox. Um, but until like right before the Super Bowl, when I think, um, a couple of people were tweeting about it, and then the trailers came out. I didn't even realize this movie was was a real thing. Um, but in terms of expectations, I did not learn because I, given what this was, had very high expectations. Oh no! <laughs> no, no, no! Now, see, to answer my own question, I in in, in you know ten years of, of of experience, I have I have tried so hard to tamp down expectations um and and, and does, it doesn't just go i i'm i've learned it with this kind of thing i've learned it in the nerdy way i have learned that you know the the, the superheroes are just going to do what they do and the the jedi are just going to do what they do i've learned about that end where where i haven't learned is when it comes to like pedigree films. So every time the Corn, oh my god! Every time the Corn Brothers make a movie, when the Corn Brothers make a movie, I am always just like primed to love it. And then it's a, it's it's so hit or miss. So I'm in that end. My expectations are fine, but in terms of nerdy properties, I have certainly learned. Um, you know, we're 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 kind of beating around the bush a little bit. Um, what what was your your general reaction to to this curious little movie that fell into our laps last weekend? Um, I really liked how it was released. Uh, just, but if we're gonna talk general well, we reactions, will, you know what? We will. It's it's weird because ordinarily the conversation on this show is usually contained to what happens inside of the screen. But when we get further on in this review, we do have to talk about how it was released because that's a whole other conversation. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but but as far as the actual film itself, <laughs> yeah, this movie. So, um. One thing that I'd say about my expectations is that there was a little bit of of dampening simply for for this one reason. And the one reason was this movie was released on Netflix. Now, I don't know if you have any sort of um, inkling or or leaning one way or the other um, in terms of Netflix and the properties that that they have, whether television shows, movies, whatever. But for, for me, 
Um, I have found that every Netflix show or most Netflix shows are great. Most Netflix movies are fine. They're average. They're not too bad, but also never coming close to being good. And that's kind of what this movie was for me, right? Um, this movie is, sadly, it ends up being kind of paint-by-numbers to a certain degree, um, or, or let's say half of the movie um, is paint-by-numbers and the other half just kind of didn't need to be there. <laughs> it kind of started, it started ignoring the numbers, but not in a good way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, um, but... It, and it's it's I was so sad about it because as I said to you I had expectations because I love Cloverfield. Okay. Um, the first movie I remember watching it I watched it at home so there was no strike for Carib. Um, <laughs> I watched it at home I loved it I adored it I had to buy the DVD as soon as possible um, and then. How many years later was this? Maybe six or seven years later, they released Clover, 10 Cloverfield Lane, which apparently 90% of the people didn't realize was any way related to Cloverfield. Um, and I feel like that's why a lot of people don't like it. But I adore that film. It is the it is such a great, just tiny film um, by itself or, mm. or in the bits that you don't realize are Cloverfield related. Yeah. And then it goes outside and becomes this whole other thing, which I'm fine with as well. And maybe that's simply because I love the, the smaller movie so much more. Um, and that's what I really hoped that this would have been. But this was not. The, the small part of the movie, the actual movie that um, before they tried, you know, adding horns and shoehorns to, to the thing... Um, it's fine, right? It is the run-of-the-mill space movie where, um, you know, bad things happen and you hope somebody comes out alive. Uh, <laughs> it's, I mean, it, you know, it, it's the, the usual space movie that we've been seeing for about 40 years now, ever since Alien, and which is just, just to say it's, t it's 10 Little Indians. Um, and that can be fine if you want to you know like it, i'm not going to fault you for hanging your your hat on a familiar trope it just then comes down to how you how you fill in those blanks and you know we're going to talk about other other stories and other movies later on that that fill in those blanks and and hang its hat a little bit better than this movie does and i guess that's the thing like i'm i'm with you this movie is this movie's fine okay and and i mean if nothing else, putting it out on Netflix saves people, you know, the cost of admission and a babysitter, um, putting it out on Netflix lowers the bar, but you should still be able to deliver something a little bit more than just fine. And, and I, I think that is where I was a little bit let down is this movie could be, could be like even just on a script level forgetting about the whole Cloverfield thing, it could be so much better. It really and truly, it's, it's, it's kind of just a middle-of-the-road movie, and there's no, there's no risk. There, there's, there's no risk at all. It's, it's, it's in your living room, it's in your phone, it's on your computer, and there, there's, nothing to, there's nothing to lose, really, except 100 minutes of your time. Um, it's, I guess... Which you do lose. Which you do lose, and I mean... I, I, you know, it's kind of funny because because of that, I'm actually propping it up. I'm saying like, if it, it listen, if I paid 
$16. Let's go see this in a theater on opening weekend. And I lost 100 minutes of my time and the time to get there and the time to get home, plus snacks and whatever else. Then I would be coming down a lot harder on this movie. And I'd be saying, no, 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 no. Avoid this. Don't do it. Forget it. No. But you could do far worse than clicking on your splash page, I guess is where I'm at with this movie. No, that's true. That's yeah. true. I, I mean, this this movie... Well, I don't know if I necessarily... Like... Um, you don't necessarily have my expectations that. like that, right? Because right. especially because I can, it takes me like five minutes to get to the movies. It, it actually isn't a huge cost for us out here, which maybe is why Carib is the worst. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let me make sure I keep that plug going. Oh, like obviously, you know, it, we're like neither one of us are really recommending this movie. Not really. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 fine. Um, the the thing that I'd say about this movie that where it really falls down and and you're right it could have been a great movie is that i feel like for something like this to be good or great you have to go down a rabbit hole you have to commit to to something that is um it, it differentiates you right and the way that they handled um the various events the various scary things that happen on the the spaceship is that didn't happen there was no um you know they could have gone the any any number of routes um whether there's some scary monster or there's you know they could have done a bunch of things and just gone hard down that road and they ended up just i think trying for the most generic um uh, version of all of the things that they thought of as opposed to just picking one and saying i'm going to do this as hard as i can well the funny thing about that is when you get a movie like this i will buy into some crazy metaphysics you know whether it's whether it's time yeah. you know a lot of times it's time travel and there is a, a weird little time travel type element in this although it's it's kind of like they move sideways in time not back and forth um, uh, like I'll buy it, you know, or, or whether it's the kind of thing like inception where it's a dream within a dream within a dream. And again, time moves differently. Um, it, it, they, they seem linked. Anytime you tell a space story, you tell a time story, but this movie didn't really get into its rules or its metaphysics. It was just, we flipped the switch and then shit got weird, you know? So this is a movie for instance, without give, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried too much about spoiling. This is a movie where a character, has their arm severed and not in a gross way, but just in a, Oh shit, I just lost my arm, you know, in a clean cut yeah. kind of way. That's weird. One. And two, that's actually kind of interesting. And in a strange way, it's also funny, but they of never course. get into why that happened, how it happened, what it means. The arm then starts doing other shit and it just, it leaves it. It's as if the, you know, it's as if it didn't happen. Um, the, you know, we, we find a, a character, uh, like, basically self-combusts, and then when they, they autopsy him, they find out other mysteries like, contained within him. This is all just, it, it's all just, like, it just happened. It's just weird shit that happens, and they don't want to even, like, I, I would handle a half-ass explanation with holes in it, but they don't even want to give me that. Yeah, exactly. And it's I'm kind of glad that... 
<laughs> yeah, I'm glad that we're we're gonna talk about some some of the specifics at least. Because for instance, you you spoke about you know Chris O'Dowd lost his arm, um, and by the way, it couldn't happen to a better guy. Um, <laughs> oh, no, exactly. And, and I don't mean that in a bad way, right? right? And um, I just mean that he is such a funny guy, and he makes that he's the guy you want that to happen because yes. just his he, how he reacts to it is perfect. Yes. Um, but uh, when that happened, I actually got a little more excited for the movie because of the way they did it, right? They did this weird thing with the, the ship where essentially the ship took his arm and it looked a little um, cool and funky. The, there was a give and take and then it happened. And I said, okay, this is great. We're going to go down the road of some like ridiculous metaphysical um, uh, just you're on a different plane and physics doesn't work the way you think it's working kind of movie. And I was down with that. Oh, yeah. I really wanted to see how far they would take that um, that concept. But it went nowhere. Yeah. And there are actually a couple of other things that happen um, a, a, a couple of times where you can say, oh, this is the movie that they're do- they're, they want to be. Let's see how far they go. And every time you get to that like fork in the road, that decision point... It's like they actively said, you know what? Let's pull the brakes a little bit. And yeah, or, or, really or let's let's go right. We really should go left. Everybody wants us to go left, but we're going to go right. <laughs> Every time. Every time. I mean, you know, before any of that stuff with the arm being taken, we have Elizabeth Debicki show up out of nowhere, like just basically hardwired into this ship. Like she's got uh, – she, she's got like um, – wires and tubes and and mechanics basically just like stringing through her body in the panel of a ship and i gotta be honest that was bananas that was one of the craziest ways i've ever seen for a character to be introduced into a movie like this and i that point that was the one where i was in yeah i'm like okay some not only did somebody just show up who knows them but it has been shown up basically you know kind of halfway eaten by this ship i was like that is one cool way to introduce the character, but then the movie just abandons it. <laughs> yeah, it, it really does. Um, and she she doesn't even really, you know, I, I kind of wish there was more of her and more of, of that kind of um, aspect of this movie, that just crazy, like you don't know what's going to happen next. And you can't even know, not because it will be surprising, but because it will be something that can't happen. And yeah. they just stop that. Yeah. in its tracks at some yeah. point which they, was upsetting you know I, like if i'm if i'm gonna actually start lobbing bombs at this movie then i'm yeah, I start lobbing bombs at this movie <laughs> if i if i'm gonna if i'm gonna lob one specific bomb at this movie i will say the one thing that i i do not understand is that after that debecky introduction they really put her over into a corner until they are damn good and ready to use her and that struck me as incredibly strange because there is a lot of shit that goes on with her nowhere to be seen. Um, and, and I don't I don't buy that for a reason. You either you know, you either bring in a character or you don't bring them in. You don't bring them in and then keep them in the brig for two acts until you're damn good and ready. Um, you know, we're, we're like back when I was saying this movie is fine. The thing that gets me, I think, is that fine with a movie like this isn't really good enough. There, like, there, is, there are moments where this movie is actively handsome, and i got to give it credit for that much. The movie is really nicely shot, um, yeah. and it is well cast, except for the fact that aside from 
Chris O'Dowd as Monday, I can't remember any of these people. I, I, I you know, I like Daniel Brule. I barely remember what he did. I love Zi Zhang. I barely remember what she did. I really love David Oyelowo. He's a non-factor in this movie. And when you have other movies doing more with less, and I'm looking at movies like Moon or District 9 or Looper, it shows that you don't actually need a whole lot of money for really good-looking sci-fi anymore. No, it's, that's that's so true. Um, and I guess this one, boy, it, it does look good, though, as you say, but it doesn't... It isn't like the the actively like in your face I'm I'm beautiful um, kind of movie, but this this thing I mean and you know something we haven't even touched yet, um, which I kind of mentioned is the rest of the movie because this this really is a movie of two parts. Oh yeah. And um, so essentially, if you look back to say the last film in the series, which was Ten Cloverfield Lane, they delineated it via let's call it time or or at least the the segments of the movie so for the first let's say hour hour and a half you were in one movie and then for the rest of the movie you had a second movie here but they actually put everything together in this one it kept cutting back and forth between what was happening in the spaceship and then what was happening on earth um and you know on earth you kind of had this this connection um via um gugu's husband right yep and um, that aspect of it, I remember, and you know it's bad when you think this while you're watching the movie. I remember <laughs> um, <laughs> about maybe halfway or maybe quarter way actually through the movie thinking, none of his scenes matter, and if we deleted them, this movie would be the same thing. Um, and that just, that narrative kept throughout the end of the movie. Um and it was just, you know, a sad... It was sad that that was their way, I think, of just getting it into the um, the universe. And also, to a certain degree, I think, them trying to rationalize or explain how this whole thing started. I feel like this is that circle. We were talking about the circle with Tump. This is the, the Cloverfield circle that we're in, where I think they've try to know even link it back to the first movie yeah it's you know this is a movie that was written as mostly the space story um on its own it was it was a, it was a complete original work by its uh, by its screenwriter that was picked up by paramount after they liked the the look of it by the script that Oren um Uziel turned in and they thought you know what if we add in this brush stroke that brush stroke and this little flourish we can use it as a tether to this little universe that we've created and that is possible i'm not going to sit here and say no you can't do that you can't take a story that's written and and you know graft it into your universe you know because i mean shit comic books retcon their their origins all the time that's fine but if you're going to do it you have to be a little bit more elegant about it than this this you earlier on used the term shoehorn. This really feels shoehorned into the universe in a very, very strange way. Um, you know, like, yeah, everything about what's on Earth can be taken out. Um, the the creature is is barely around again. <laughs> again, that's, that's the crazy thing. You know, one of the big complaints about the first movie was that the creature wasn't really around. 
you know, that you were hearing about stuff and seeing stuff and just basically seeing the panic in New York and never actually seeing what everybody was panicked from. And now it's 10 years later and we're still doing the same shit. Yeah. You yeah. Know? But to be fair, I, um, I like Damien would say that those people are wrong. Cause <laughs> that movie was perfect. <laughs> of course. Of course. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird thing hanging your hanging your universe on on something like this um you know i i'm i'm i guess i'm perplexed because we were talking you know we said we we need to talk about the way this movie arrived and how what what netflix means at this stage of the game because um i know for instance that your co-host is not a big fan of mudbound um, which was a previous yeah. Netflix uh, production, which it was done. They picked it up, and and Netflix right now. Let us let us be clear. That is kind of the way they're doing things. They are taking completed films and saying we like it. We're going to put our stamp on it, and we're going to put it out on our on our platform. They're not. It's not the same as a show like as, as what they're doing in television, where they're putting up all the money and having a say. So. You know, you're saying right now that that is kind of a that's kind of a stamp of disapproval. <laughs> well, it's a stamp of um, not quite disapproval, more just mediocrity, I guess. Oh, um, okay. In terms of the movie side, um, I'll give them that their TV is a stamp of approval. I like more than I dislike on their TV side, okay. but their movie okay. stuff, it they're all just kind of fine. You know, um, it's. Uh, I don't think I've really enjoyed a Netflix movie. My favorite Netflix movie is probably the Jim Carrey documentary that came out the other day. And I'm not sure if I like it that much, you know? I, I mean, <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that because actually they're, the, the docs that they pick up are actually pretty good. Um, but the fiction is, is still curious. Like, you know, uh, oddly enough, the last time we talked about a Netflix show, a Netflix movie on this show, on it was your brother as the guest and we talked about Beasts of No Nation, um, which was again was fine but wasn't really great i i do count myself a big fan of mudbound there's others in between but i think part of the you know if you if you want to say something about the state of netflix film it's that i can't remember most of the fictional films um and then of course we've got the the way that this was dropped because you pointed it out earlier that this was kind of hanging in the background people knew about it under a different name uh, knew it was being made, and then all of a sudden, in the middle of the biggest television spectacle of the year, we get an ad saying coming soon on Netflix, another ad saying coming really soon on Netflix, and then finally an ad saying, hey, in 20 minutes, you can go watch it, which I, I have never seen or heard of something like that in my life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is, if you, essentially, that's, that's like Hugh Jackman um, being, um, you know, what what is it? P.T. Barnum, yeah. the the greatest show on earth. Yeah. That is just the the great a great showmanship um, ploy. I loved it. I wish they could have done it for a better movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I really did enjoy the way that they built up to this movie. Like you saw people on Twitter going, "What what did they mean by soon?" And then a couple of people saying, "By soon they mean right now. Go watch it." Um, and that's just it's it's great that we can have something like that now and i guess i probably appreciate it a lot more 
um, the less I want to go to an actual theater to watch movies. Because right now, my system is essentially, if it's a huge movie that I know I have to talk, up, um, talk about on a podcast, or maybe it's something like, say, a Black Panther that I really want to watch, fine, I'll go to the theaters and watch it. But outside of that, I'm sitting down here either... I'm saying, okay, it's on VOD day and date, so I'll watch it, or I'll wait a couple months and watch it on VOD later. And I really love that that concept, that that distribution channel of saying you don't have to. I mean, having a big screen is great, especially for you know movies like Inception and Gravity and you know event and 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 visual uh, like crazy um, visual movies, but. You know, the ability that we have now to just literally click a button, uh, whether it's on your, your phone, your computer screen, your or, or your um, television, and have it there um, immediately and watch something that just was released worldwide, I think is, is fantastic. It's, it, you know, it's kind of funny because on the one hand, it's a lot like Frank Ocean saying, Hey, I know that you didn't know I had a new record ready, but it's it's done and you can go get it now. Um, except, you know, in this case, it's not nearly as good as most of the Frank Ocean records. But you know, like that that has been the advantage of uh, of a medium like music is that artists can just toil away in their studio for whether it's a week or a year and just kind of work away on something and then just say it's done, go get it. And this is a way for movies to do that, too, um, to the advantage of everybody. Now, of course, you just touched on the last interesting thing that I want to bring up before we kind of you know wrap this up is that the one thing about sci-fi especially is that it is a genre that really relies on scope, right? It's, 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 a, it's a medium that is designed dwarf us with the vastness of space and the, the how how tiny we really are and how insignificant we really are so might this movie have gained even just a little bit with a theatrical presentation and that added bit of scope yeah i mean movies like this definitely um and this one was pretty enough that yeah it would have been you sitting down and watching that on a huge screen would have probably been a value add. Um, but, you know, this one in particular, as you said, you know, when you came, if you were to come out of a theater after spending however much cash on, on snacks on the ticket, after spending the time, after, you know, sitting down there, you might actually grade it at a higher, a higher bar. Um, so that might be a negative for this one. But, there is something to be said about going to a, a theater, watching a movie that you enjoy, that you end up enjoying, that is beautiful, and it's on a screen bigger than your house. It's, you know, it's just great. Yeah, and I guess, you know, that's kind of the final nail that I want to put in the coffin of the Cloverfield Paradox is, you know, this these movies, a lot of times they do play... Um, special presentations or they'll play at festivals, you know, they'll, they'll have a screening somewhere in the world. And I don't feel really like there's going to be a sequence in this movie that really pins me in my seat the same way I had with a movie like 
Gravity or like um, Sunshine or, or those kinds of movies that really used the scale of sci-fi to, to, to make their point. Um, it's just it's not in this movie, which is a real shame because I think there were places with the monster or without the monster to do that, and that's that's kind of a pity. Um, we no, do of wrap... course, this movie needed a, a, a Velociraptor. Yes, it much. did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we rate here. Oh, sorry, um, we end every uh, review here on the matinee cast with a souvenir, something tangible or intangible that we would like to take away from this movie and keep if we could. Douglas Robinson, what would your souvenir be from the Cloverdale Cloverfield paradox? I tried very hard not to do what I'm about to do, but. which is to take the most obvious thing, um, okay. and that is I really want Chris O'Dowd's arm. I, I, <laughs> I need it. <laughs> I think it could come in handy. I think, you know, there's, there's times where you need you need an extra hand around the house. Um, you know, my my souvenir. I got to be honest. I, I and it's, it's not the first movie to do this, but I really do want it. I I want some really high quality dependable communications with space yeah you know like did you see those like video uplinks that they were speaking on there's times it was awesome. where, there's t- there's times where my facetime doesn't look that good <laughs> they were essentially skyping with each other right exactly yeah, into space <laughs> You're kidding me? I get into the basement at my work and I can't get a signal, and they're talking to space. Come on, that's I gotta get my hands on that. Yeah, yeah, um, that would be good. It would, it would. <laughs> we rate here on the matinee cast on a scale of one to four stars. Douglas Robinson, what do you give Cloverfield Paradox on a scale of one to four? This gets the classic Netflixian two and a half stars. <laughs> oh, I see. See, I'm 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 at a two. I'm I'm really at. This is fine. Um, you know, if you if you're looking to kill some time on on a, on a Friday night before you're going to the club, you can you know just throw this on in the background and just listen. You'll you'll get the gist. Um, but it's it's nothing to really call up specifically and chase down, um, which is a shame. Hey, listen, maybe we're wrong. Maybe you think that we're being way too hard on this movie and it's a lot of fun, or maybe you think that we're being too easy on this movie and it's an abomination. Um, I'm looking at you, Andrew Robinson. Uh, let me know. Ryan at the matinee.ca Twitter, or I'm matinee underscore ca, facebook.com slash darkmatinee. What did you think of the Cloverfield Paradox? Come right back after this pretty, pretty please, because we are going to flip the record over and play the other side and talk about some much better movies right after this. Back. Other side. Other oh, side. We are we are back. He is Douglas Robinson. I'm Ryan McNeil. We've been talking about the Cloverfield Paradox. Um, you know, I, I I'm pretty sure I know where you are going to begin because you wanted to actually dedicate a whole segment to this one movie. But if you could point <laughs> yeah. people towards something a little bit better and uh, and pair up uh, Cloverfield Paradox with another movie, what would be your first round draft pick? Ah, that's interesting. Well, um, I feel like I'm not allowed to say this one. <laughs> but so in terms of this type of movie, right, um, which is the I'm essentially going to pick you off one by one in a confined 
um, whether it's space or circumstance. Um, I'm, it's all about the thing, man. I mean, Kurt Russell, um, John Carpenter, uh, back in the 80s or whenever this was made, that movie is perfect. What I love about the thing that this movie doesn't do is it goes down that rabbit hole. It personifies the the danger or, or evil um, in in this monster or these monsters that that you know show up and you actually you know you know what you have to fear and sometimes knowing what you have to fear isn't necessarily um, you know what what adds or, or makes it great right because there are there are movies where the thing that you get scared of is just not knowing and being afraid and knowing that something's wrong um, and this movie has a lot of that as well because it builds up to you know them finding out oh this is what's happening um, but I have a soft spot for you know old movies with these practical effects that look kind of horrible but also look kind of amazing um, and just the the campiness and 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 stupidness involved sometimes i, well, I love it, it it does the classic horror sci-fi thing of, of doing a lot with a little right like that was that was always kind of the thing with these kinds of movies is they were never the kinds of movies that studios really wanted to make so they didn't give them a lot of money now now you can do so much more with a little bit of money and i mean the kind of creature that Cloverfield creates, you could not create in the past. Which, by the way, we need we need to talk about this because it's not you know it's not a spoiler that the creatures in Cloverfield because the creature has always been around, and you never actually truly get a good look at the thing. But if I've always had a gripe with Cloverfield and with other movies of its ilk, because there were others that came afterwards, it's that the monster never seemed to be that well designed kind of when i think about the best creature design in sci-fi i usually actually come back to attack the block <laughs> attack the block i'm trying to remember what those they, they look like gorillas they look like gorillas but they had gl- uh, glowing green jaws oh yeah right yeah yeah those things were were mean looking <laughs> yeah yeah but um no the thing you're right when it comes to movies of um, you know, getting picked off one by one and the psychosis that I, I think like that was the other thing that was missing in Cloverfield pro- um, paradox is there was no real psychological twisting of the knife. You know, like the, these guys never really sweated what was going on. They never really, really distrusted one another. Certainly not to the extent that you see in the thing where they're pretty much all ready to kill each other. Yeah, um, that's they, they just don't they didn't build that tension. Nope. Um, and that's, you know, that I think is another result of just not going down a specific road, not not saying, you know what, I'm going to um, put my neck on the block. Yeah. Um, I feel like they just kind of said, you know, what, let's let's go middle of the road. And and that affected them poorly. They the tension wasn't there. You didn't feel you never really felt like, you know, um, who's uh, who's um, the bad guy, or who? Um, how are how are these guys gonna actually make it to to the end? It, it was almost like every time somebody um, you know got their due, um, it was just another thing that happened. They were just like, well, that sucks. All right, let's you know try get some more power, or let's try go home. You know, yeah. it it was never 
um, a, as big a deal as it should have been. No, I, I, I totally agree. Now, um, it's funny because the, the first knee-jerk reaction film that I would have reached for with this, we're, we're not really going to talk about it, and that's because we've already done an entire other side segment dedicated to it um, back on the Interstellar episode. But my knee-jerk reaction when I saw this movie is, well, now I feel like watching Danny Boyle's Sunshine again because um, that does several things about this movie but in a much more interesting way and like this movie that is a flawed film but that is a movie that I think goes beyond its flaws as opposed to this movie that succumbs but um, one movie that I do think would make an interesting pairing with this movie and again it's a movie that does things better is did you ever see a movie from 2010 with um, Scoot McNary Directed okay. by Gareth Edwards, called Monsters. Yes, I did. I absolutely adored that movie. Um, and I get you, because even the monster design is kind of similar, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Um, but that one, it's it's a little bit different, right? Because it's it's at its core like a, a, a road movie. It's very right? much a road um, movie, yeah. Yeah, these guys are just trying, this, this guy and this girl are just trying to get um, home. And they're traveling, and but they do they do great um, tension building in that movie because every time they have to you know bed down and go to sleep or they need to get some more supplies at a gas station or something like that, that you always feel like you know the monster's out there and he's going to get them. It's it's weird because the the stakes seem higher even though they you know they they've got much more. They, they've 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 kind of got lower stakes because they've got everywhere to go. You know the, the the thing about all these movies set in space is that you're trapped on the ship. You know there, there's no walking out that door. In monsters, if something comes at them, you know there's a whole lot of road that they can just start running down. Whether it's back to America or deeper into the Mexican forest, um, it's it, it was just I think you know when I was talking earlier about movies that do a lot with a little, I felt like monsters did so much more with so little and I, I i got pointed this week back to my review of um the gareth edwards remake of godzilla and i wrote in that piece how the best monster movies are not about the creature but they're about how how that creature affects humanity and i think that was the thing is in the cloverfield paradox I didn't give a crap about humanity and I didn't really even give a crap about the paradox. Whereas in monsters, I was genuinely interested and concerned for these two people trying to get back to America. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely were. And I get, I get that. Like without the, that causality, that kind of connection, there is, you know, how, how can you, how can you connect to the movie? Mm -hmm. Um, um, actually, so there's another movie that, I thought kind of tied in with this and um, I actually wrote down a note I said here it's um, essentially the link that I have between um, uh, Cloverfield and this movie and I'm going to tell you from now Ryan it, I know it's a tenuous one Okay, um, is essentially what Cloverfield is um, the paradox this one is it's a movie about and you can almost look at it as you know somebody with a plan um, with a, a specific goal that is just being eternally frustrated and, and foiled at every step, right? Um, because You're hanging a lot of qualifiers on this other side. 
<laughs> I'm listening. But, so, um, I don't know why this came to me, but a movie that I thought has that at, at its core, and it's not a space movie, it's not a monster movie, but it has aspects of that. Um, and it even does, to a sense, have aspects of, of a monster movie. Is Did you ever watch the Robert Redford movie called All is Lost? Yes. <laughs> oh, this sounds like we're going <laughs> to... It's going to be a hard... Um, an uphill battle. A hard sell. <laughs> yeah. But, I, l- you listen, know... T- to be clear, I love that movie. That, that That's a fantastic oh. movie. Oh, of course. Me, me too. It's It's great. But, you know, this guy is in this boat that is slowly dying, right? It's slowly crumbling. And at every step of the way, he tries and he finds a fix. He, he you know, duct tapes something together and then something else goes wrong. And um, that is essentially the the core of that movie to the end, at least in terms of what, what happens. And if you think about the storm that he he sails into as the monster that is or or the the circumstances right the monster that is trying to get him um or trying to kill him right or trying to to get this boat away from him that's essentially what these guys are these guys are stuck on a boat um slowly and surely slowly but surely it is picking them off one at a time it's it's going to um you know it's not going to result in anything good and the storm or the monster is you know that malevolent um, force driving the whole thing, and at the end of the day, you're busted, bruised, and broken. Yeah, yeah, and you have to you have to decide when you want to finally pitch yourself overboard and how and why. Um, it's funny because when we were talking earlier about the use of scale and the use of scope, um, all is lost. You wouldn't really expect it to be the kind of movie that you need to see in a theater because you know if i if i tell you it's it's a guy in a boat you know it's he's got what he's got four lines in the whole movie does he Um, have that many he he really like i mean one of them is one of them is fuck um but he he really does not have a whole lot of lines in that movie I, i really think he's got like four um you wouldn't say to yourself well that's a movie i need to see in a theater and yet it absolutely is because if you watch it at home you're going to disengage from that movie time after time after time, and it's it's just going to lose all of its power. That was a movie I was so happy I saw that in the theater, um, and and it, it really moved me. Um, so that's okay. It, it's yeah, I, I see your math. Okay, uh, that was that was a, a long walk to get there, but I, I follow you. Okay, all right, I'll, I'll allow it. Yay! Um, the other so another connection. All right, I'm going to go a little bit. Um, I'm going to go a little bit off the grid for my connection here as well. So the idea behind the Cloverfield Paradox is that by opening up this uh, energy source, it creates a rift in the time continuum and basically creates uh, a parallel timeline or a parallel unit, or it it creates a paradox. Hey, it's not just a clever title. Um, One of the things that got me thinking of is a book that's actually been on my mind a lot over the last six months or so um try to contain your shock if you follow my instagram um it's a book by um blake crouch called dark matter have you heard of this um i don't think so so this science teacher the science prof at just like a regular joe schmo tech college in the midwest 
um, he he goes out one night and he gets kidnapped and he gets kidnapped he gets doped and he gets basically left for dead in this factory and when he comes to he realize like he's being hailed as a hero like he it, the way it's described is he feels like the Apollo astronauts coming back to earth and what he is told even though he has no idea what's going on is he is told by his by the people who are who find him that he has just become the first person to successfully break the laws of parallel timelines go to another timeline and return the only problem of course is that he didn't do that he was sent to another <laughs> timeline and what he puts together is that another version of him on another timeline re figured out that this was the timeline that to him was the most ideal so he switches places you know he, he basically prints and poppers himself but across dark matter in another timeline and that will send your brain a spinning because he in trying to get back he goes through dozens and dozens of different timelines where things are very very different or sometimes very very similar but still not quite and the thing that i think about with that book is that book had its hooks in me so deep i finished that book in like two days and i know i read fast but even for me that was really fast and i just couldn't put it down cloverfield never got its hooks in me that deep and i feel like a movie like this that talks about messing with the time continuum or messing with time paradoxes that this is what you want to aim for you want to aim for something that's much more dark matter or much more looper um than than you do what um cloverfield paradox gave us yeah that that story sounds real cool so it's it is i mean like i i i recommend it highly to like a lot of people who i meet and who are like what did you you know you read a lot of books what should i read and i i say well do you want something sci-fi because this is a sci-fi story i couldn't put down i think they're they are eventually going to make it into a movie um if i'm a betting man the movie won't be quite as good um <laughs> it's a fast read too it's it's not really um that that dense of a story even though i'm making it sound dense and you know as i was saying before about like the metaphysics the metaphysics of a story this is a movie where, this is a story where the metaphysics of the story are laid down really really clearly um versus what was going on with cloverfield um did you have any other other sides that we could link up this movie to did you have anything else come to mind um, nothing major. So I don't know why I thought, well, I know why I thought about this, but I don't even really remember a lot of the movie that I saw. But have you ever watched Event Horizon with Sam Neill? I want to say your brother made me watch that. Did he? Oh, my Somebody gosh. made me watch that for this show. And that really sounds like a Robinson thing. <laughs> Please well, go on while I research watch it this. When it came that's funny but essentially it's it's the same thing right it's a it's a story in space um with this crew that gets you know picked off one by one by some sort of malevolent force um and i just remember when i, w I was pretty young when this came out i think i was um I, I would have at least been in high school um and i just remember thinking that this was the prettiest scariest weirdest little movie um and <laughs> you know you there were some to it since i 
tried once and um, stopped a little way through. I don't think this is as good as I thought it was at first. But there was something too about Sam Neill and because he kind of became that, that evil, right? right. Um, and he was just... He's awesome in almost everything he's in, but he was, you know, um, gruesome in that one from what I recall. This is another movie that's got an incredible cast that, that doesn't do a whole lot with its cast. Like Jason Isaacs is in this movie, Sam Neill, Lawrence Fishburne. Um, and by the way, I, I owe a public retraction to your brother right here and now. He did not make me watch this movie for podcast purposes. Um, it was actually – now, first of all, I should also say this is a movie by, Tal, by Paul W.S. Anderson. And if there no. is, if oh yes, if there is ever a label on a movie that should make you run, <laughs> not walk in the other direction, it is Paul W. S. Anderson. Um, I I actually was I was pointed towards this movie uh, summer before last on episode one hundred sixty where we talked about the Neon Demon. Um, Dave Voigt pointed me towards this movie as a, a, an interesting failure. I think was the reason why. <laughs> oh, so that's the link. That, that was the link. Interesting yes, yes. Okay, that kind of makes sense. And yeah. I would probably agree with that description of Neon Demon. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, so, you know, I guess what we're saying is there are certainly better options out there um, if you find yourself interested in Cloverfield, whether you want to watch it as, like, something dumb to just laugh through or you want to watch it because you want to feel like a, a sci-fi movie where people are getting picked off. Um, you know, there, there, there are there are better ways to do it, people, I guess is what we're saying. Um, and hopefully some of these other side selections um, will, will take you in that direction. So that is about it for Matinee Cast. I'd like to thank Douglas Robinson for coming by. Come on back on Monday, February 26th. We're going to be talking about Annihilation, another small budget uh, sci-fi uh, in the early part of the year. Hopefully we get a little bit better results out of that than we got out of the Cloverfield Paradox. Douglas can be found on Tump, the Unnamed Movie Podcast, um, which, uh, what's what's the URL for that thing? It is at gmanreviews.com, um, and then it's the only thing I think that gets posted there anymore. So I, You know what, I could I could mock him, but really that's been my <laughs> my MO lately as well. This, this site is very much about the podcast lately and very little about the writing. So, and, you know, uh, on, on top of that, we need to remember that this is somebody who's also a full-time student right now doing these kinds of shenanigans in his spare time um you guys have just posted an episode on the square and this week uh you are doing an uh an episode dedicated to the iranian film the cyclist do you know what else you got coming up that people can look forward to well we're continuing our iranian um our iranian marathon um we're going to be talking about apple at some stage well right after that we're talking about the florida project which, oh, oh, that's good. Oh, my God. I, that, I yeah, am I, not sure what to think because I know everybody loves it, but if that guy did Tangerine, um, or I actually don't even know who the director is. The director did Tangerine, and um, I do not like Tangerine. Okay. The, 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 uh, I'm, I'm sure good listening will abound. If people want to follow you on Twitter and heckle you about football, where can they find you? <laughs> you can find me at DJR Lost His Name. Uh, cool. That's on Twitter, and actually, I think that's my Instagram uh, tag as well. Now that I post very much on Instagram, but yeah. yeah. If people want to find you, they can find you. My there site is thematinee.ca. For more audio content, you can find back episodes by going to thematinee.ca slash podcasting. You can also find them on Pocket Cast, Stitcher Radio, 
Google Play, you're welcome, Paulo. Blueberry, Apple's podcast app, and the iTunes store. Everything gives you ways to subscribe for free and get alerts when new episodes drop. Feedback on the Cloverfield Paradox or any of the other films we discussed in this episode or Dark Matter for that uh, point as well can be left in the comments section of the site. You can email me, ryan at thematinee.ca, Twitter, where I'm matinee.ca, sorry, where I'm matinee underscore ca, or facebook.com slash darkmatinee. Any final thoughts, sir, before I let you go for another uh, year and a half? Yeah, Netflix needs to make good movies. <laughs> Step up your game, Netflix. You have the platform. Start to deliver the material. Get some of those TV people involved. They seem to know where it's at. They really do. They really do. <laughs> For Douglas Robinson, I'm Ryan McNeil. We'll see you at the matinee. Yeah. 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 Yeah.